Are you feeling like no one understands your struggles? That you're isolated and alone? Like no one has your back to support, encourage, or celebrate your wins with you? Well, let me personally invite you to join me in the Living Fearless Today Facebook group. Hey, we recently launched the group and are open to other men just like you who want to know their worth, value, and purpose to grow in confidence, find their worth, and appreciate their contributions. So if you simply search Living Fearless Today on Facebook, and uh, then just click to join us. I look forward to meeting you, seeing your growth, and the success you begin to experience in your life within this band of men. Thanks so much, my friend, for joining me on another episode. If you found the information within the show helpful, please leave a review on the platform you're listening to. It helps raise the show's visibility so other men can join us in breaking free. See you on the next episode. And remember to continue putting yourself out there. Have a great one. Well, hello and welcome back, my friend. Man, today I'm super excited to have Robert Riopel with me. So Robert is a new friend. We've been, you know, talking about men and our journey and just how we don't need to be stuck with where we're at. And so many times we buy into that. So Robert's got an amazing story of, of the journey of going from where he was to where he is. And I'm not going to steal any of his thunder. So we're going to step into that here in a bit. Robert, how are you doing today, my friend? You know, Mike, I'm doing great. And just the conversation you and I have already had before we hit record, one of the things I I, I think I should almost recommend is that's some of the gold to hit record from the beginning, because sometimes that's when the greatest stuff, just in our getting to know each other conversation, I already know you and I have so much in common, especially with wanting to help people from our journey, being able to then pass it forward. I know that you and I are going to probably do some great things together. So I'm excited about that. I'm looking forward to it as well, my friend. Well, let's start if we could, Robert, what does life look like for you today on the business side of things? Yeah, you know, um, I'm blessed. I'm a Canadian. That's not the reason I'm blessed, but I'm blessed in many ways. Um, I have a beautiful acreage here in Alberta where I live in Canada. And uh, my wife and I, we bought it almost four years ago with the intention of eventually one day building our own training center on it. And due to COVID, we actually have spent the last year and a half and I'm now sitting in my brand new office. On the other side of my office wall, I've got a 1,500 square foot training facility that's actually being turned into a super Zoom room so I can have multiple camera angles. I can see three to 400 of my students on screen at a time. I can actually stand on stage instead of having to just sit in front of the camera or stand in front of the camera. I'll be able to move around, be mic'd up. So really excited about what's coming. Um, you know, because before BC, what I call before COVID, I was flying on average 200,000 miles a year around the world doing live trainings for 100 to 5,000, 6,000 students at a time, three to five days at a time, up to 12 hours a day on stage. So, you know, just doing what I love and loving the impact I'm being able to have on people. Yeah, you've definitely got a teacher's heart, man. I mean, it it takes all of like 30 seconds to figure that part out. So, <laughs> so I'm excited for that. Um what does life look like on the personal side? And let's make sure you you talk about your princess as well there. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, my wife and I, uh, another way I'm very, very blessed, Mike, is my wife and I met when we were 13. We started dating when we were 16. We got married when we were 19. And this year we celebrate 33 years of marriage. Now, 
don't do the math of how old I am, please. You're <laughs> There's 34. a reason I am gray. That's You're 34, it. right? <laughs> and, you know, unfortunately, although my wife and I were not able to have children, we have, we love animals. We are so passionate about animals. And so being on an acreage, well, even before the acreage, a pet that we never thought we'd have, it, at two days old, we started bottle feeding her every hour and a half. And now she's 10 years old and she's gone from being about three pounds or actually at a light is about one and a half pounds. She's now a 265 pound princess, which is our pet pig, Gracie May. Um, and she is a princess. And, and it's fun. You know, I always joke with people. I say, um, you know, my pig thinks she's a dog. My dog thinks he's human and all men are pigs. So it goes around in a nice round circle. <laughs> and of course, my wife, when I'd say that on stage or say that to people, she go. She got, she finally said, that's enough. And for Christmas, a few years ago, she gave me a big sticker. It says, men are not pigs. Pigs are kind, sensitive, and gentle. And I'm like, oh, ouch. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, being here on the acreage, we had rescued a cat that showed up frozen on the back doorstep and got her back to health. Uh, She went from skin and bones to being very healthy, lost the tips of her ears to frostbite because it was minus 25 when she found the back of our doorstep. Um, once we got her healthy, cause we didn't see any chip in that, we set her free and said, if you have a family to go to, you know, please, if you don't, and you come back, we'll keep you. She was gone for two weeks and she came back pregnant. So now we have six cats cause we oh. kept all the kittens. <laughs> it's a good thing. You have some acreage there, buddy. Right. Did I mention we like animals and we actually three weeks ago, we, um, cause our last puppy dog passed away about a year and a half ago. And, you know, you never rush a journey of getting over a loss of a pet when you're an animal lover and my wife was finally ready. And so we now have a, a little guy, Mr. Ripley, who's all uh, 1.7 pounds and he's what's called a chorchi. He's a Chihuahua Yorkie crossed with a Chihuahua and he's just a cute little bundle. He'll get to about four, four and a half pounds. And in three days we pick up his little big sister, which is going to be a golden retriever. I say little big sister because she's already three times his weight. And even though she's only seven weeks old. <laughs> oh my so, word. Yeah. So we're gonna have the we'll have the you know the house full of animals here. Um, you know, as it is, and it's a great way to be. That's so cool, man. Yeah. And it's a good thing I would say that you you love animals because you're definitely in that position where it's like the animals are rolling in. So better to be. And they run the house. They run the house. (laughs) (laughs) I always say one of my goals is when I pass away, I want to come back as one of my own pets, you Mm -hmm. know, because so many pets aren't, you know, don't have the love. So we give as much love to animals as we can. And, and those are the charities we support. We love supporting shelters and rescue societies and stuff because that's our charities of choice just because we do love animals so much. Very cool. Yeah. And then knowing what you love helps you to focus on that. So yes. that's an amazing thing to, to be clear on. Well, if we could, Robert, um, can we step back to like, how did your journey start out? Because I know you've overcome some stuff to get to where you're at. It's not like, Hey, I was born and this is what I was born into. I mean, you've, you've gone through adversity. You've gone through those struggles. Can we jump back to where that, that started and kind of work through? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I want to let everybody know too, Mike, that I believe that everything happens for a reason, which a lot of people hear. And even when they're going through tough times, they're like, why the heck is this happening to me? And people who've heard that saying and resist it or have a hard time with it, one of the reasons I've discovered is because they don't know the whole saying. See, everything happens for a reason is actually not the whole saying. Mm. 
the whole saying is everything happens for a reason. And that reason is there to serve me. And the moment you put that second sentence in, it puts you into a curiosity mode. And I didn't know this way back when, when we started on our journey, but today I look back and there's so many places where, and you've probably had this happen, Mike, where you'll sit there and something will happen to you and you don't know why, and you're pissed off and it's, why did this happen? And also maybe years later you go, that's why I went through that. Had I not gone through that, I wouldn't be the person I am today to handle this, right? And so growing up here where I grew up um, in Alberta for most of my life is I was taught, you find that job that's secure. So whether it's a union, whether it's working for the city, the government, because once you're in, you're in, even if you hate the work, you do it to support your family and you work hard and you stay loyal. And I'm, I'm the youngest of four. And my family never, like, we barely made it by, but my parents were able to make it work. So that's what was ingrained in me. And so here I am. That's what I'm doing when I start working at a young age. By the time all of a sudden here, I'm 21. I'm still a newlywed and I'm being laid off from my third major job. And I'm going, I'm working hard. I'm staying loyal. And this last company, I thought I was going to be with them for 40 plus years. And I'm like, what the heck? And we're in the middle of an economic downturn at that time. When the only job I can find, I didn't consider a real job because a real job is you got an hourly paycheck, you got benefits, whatever it is. I started delivering pizzas for a little company called Domino's Pizza. And because of my work ethic, I started doing well and I actually became a manager. My wife became my assistant. And what do we start doing? We do what we know. We start working hard. In fact, we were going open to close seven days a week because that's what we thought you'd do. And a year and a half in, all of a sudden, my franchisee decides to surprise us and say, I'm getting out of Domino's Pizza. I'm selling my two stores. I went into panic mode because to me, we were qualified to be franchisees. And if you don't know how the system works that way, you can't just buy a Domino's. You actually have to successfully manage a store for at least a year, meet a bunch of criteria. Now you have the right to be a franchisee and they'll waive the upfront franchise fee but you still have to have the money to buy or to build one, which today is well over $300,000 to buy or build one, an average store. Well, we were qualified, but we didn't have any money. I was making 400 bucks a week. My wife was making 300, working seven days a week. And even back in you know 92, that wasn't a lot of money. And um, so I'm in panic mode because we knew the moment new owners came in, we had watched enough stores be sold. We knew the managers were let go because the new owners wanted to come in and run it their way. And so I'm kind of freaked out and I'm like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start calling the other franchisees in the city, see who needs management. And my wife looks at me and she goes, why would we do that? She says, why don't we just buy the store? And I looked at her and I'm like, because we don't have any money. That's why we don't buy the store. Like, hello. <laughs> That's something we're probably. And my wife being the youngest of five raised by a single mother, she was taught you figure out a way. So we got down to, well, let's learn how to do that. And we made a lot of mistakes. Things like um, someone would go, oh, you guys need financing. I've got people that do financing for businesses like this. My fee is $1,000. You pay that up front and I'll find you someone with financing. We'd pay them the $1,000, which we did. All of a sudden they go, oh, I'm sorry. No one wants to do for being a financer. And it'd be like, can we have our $1,000 back? No, you can't have your money back. And so every mistake we made, though, we learned something from it. Every mistake, we learned something. 
And uh, we learn now what to say, what not to say. And it, in about four and a half months in, we now had the confidence that we actually approached our own bank and they didn't give us financing for the store. They actually financed 100% of both of the stores that my franchisee had for sale. And yeah, it's all of a sudden like, oh, we're franchisees. And we thought we were golden now. But here's kind of the issue. We knew how to run a Domino's pizza, but we didn't know how to run a business. And anybody listening to this, they know there can be a big difference there. And so for the first two years, our, our whole, here was our mandate of if we were being successful or not. If there's money still in the bank account, we're doing okay. <laughs> not doing our accounting because we can't, we can't afford an accountant. We'll do it on our own. But we're working seven days a week. When did we have the time or energy to do that? Two years in, all of a sudden, the government's going, uh, you're in business. You haven't done any financials. Time to get caught up. And when we finally hired an accountant, they got us caught up. They're like, how did you not go bankrupt these last two years? But we were just too tenacious to not, to, to, to lose. And so it was a painful process getting caught up and getting everything on board and paying back taxes and all that. But now we started doing okay. And as we started doing better, all of a sudden our spending habits, both coming from poor families, it was like, oh, extra money. What do you do? Keep up with the Joneses. <laughs> and we started now, Mike, I, I, we, we did something that probably no one you've ever met has done before though. So I hope I don't shock you. We started spending more money than we were earning. That's the first, first time <laughs> I've ever heard anybody say that. Right. <laughs> so uncommon, Robert. <laughs> I know. And by the time we were franchisees for eight years, we're now over $150,000 in personal debt mm-hmm. and going down quickly. And I don't know, I, I, I'm from my experience, I've never experienced stress like financial stress. Being afraid to answer the phones, even at the store where that's our business, answering the phones and on the, have, on the, the chance that it might be a debt collector calling the store to hunt us down. It, the stress was just beyond belief. And so we're, we're trying to figure out what we're going to do. And then that's when we were introduced to personal development for the first time. Out of necessity, you know, well, someone had actually given us a ticket to an evening. The, and the only reason we showed up to the evening, because we were like, uh, this is, why are we doing this? Why, this? We don't have time for this. But it, each ticket, even though we got them for free, were worth $39 each. And thank goodness, I could not waste $39. Like, thank God I could not waste $39. Because by the time my wife and I were done that evening, we knew we were ready for change. And we signed up to go to a three-day training. When we went into that training... The first thing it taught us is why we're in debt and to understand managing and stuff. The second thing it taught us was to take ownership of our debt because, Mike, I was good at blaming others. They lost my investment. It's because of their advice I went down. And when we started to learn to take ownership, our life changed because then we were the third thing we were taught was how to practical tips to get out of debt if we wanted to. And it, it took hard choices. We had to get disciplined on it. But because we were willing, we out of necessity knew we had to make change, we were able to actually go from that $150,000 in financial debt personally to actually retiring completely financially free nine months later at the age of 32. Okay. So you've both grown up from like poor sides of uh, financial family, right? Yeah. And normally it's like there's an inherent belief system that that we grow up with 
how did you get to the point of, you know, you also talked about seeing yourself as being, you know, like a victim instead of taking the responsibility. How did you see that? Like when you talk to other people, how do you see that you were set up ideally to be at a point of being open to receiving the information and going, yeah, this is a problem instead of, you know, shirking it off or, you know, doing what you've done so, so frequently in blaming somebody else and continuing to say, that's not a problem. That's not my problem. That's somebody else's problem. What sets you up to be receptive for that instead of blowing it off? I would say it probably really started while we were Domino's pizza franchisees because we'd go to one of the world conventions and I'd see what all these amazing people were doing, comparing myself to them. And of course, beating myself up that, you know, I'm just a little guy. This guy owns five stores. He's making a million dollars a year. I'm making 30,000, you know, and comparing. And this is one of the things I've realized in the years, Mike, and it's kind of a tip that I know we'll cover later, but I'm going to, I want to share it now. One of the greatest things a person can do for themselves is quit comparing themselves to anybody else. Stop it. Because you're gonna, your mind will automatically look for the good in the other person and compare your crap to it. And now you're at a losing battle right off the bat. And only ever compare yourself, am I one step further than I was yesterday? And if you are, you celebrate like crazy. If your mind says you're not, then you say, okay, good notice. And you still celebrate that you noticed, you had awareness. Don't beat yourself up. Quit being your worst critic and then take one more step. And so we were looking at all these amazing people around us and one of the gentlemen out of um, uh, who had stores that were an hour and a half away from us, he was a bit into personal development and it was changing his life. And we're like, there's got to be something to this. But I was still closed. I was still closed down. And actually, probably the whole change came this way. My wife and I were so stressed about, you know, we're deep in debt. And we knew we, one of the reasons we were in debt, we were not enjoying Domino's Pizza anymore. We weren't enjoying it. And one of my beliefs is if you're not enjoying doing what you're doing, do something else. So we knew we wanted to get out of Domino's, but we didn't know what else we'd do. And our minds, being the crazy things that they are, they go, well, we know franchises. Why don't we go to a franchise expo and let's see what other franchise we could get into? Now, of course, we wouldn't have been able to afford to get into another franchise, but that's where our mind went. And we went to this expo and we looked at all the booths. Nothing resonated. We went home and forgot about it. And it was two weeks weeks later. And this is that everything happens for a reason. That reason's there to serve me. Two weeks later, one of the booths, at the time they were called um, Mailboxes, et cetera, which today is UPS store. The people there, they said, hey, we're the regional reps for all of Alberta. And thank you for visiting our, um, our booth. As a thank you gift, here's two tickets to an amazing evening that'll change your life. That was the catalyst. Yeah. And, and here's how powerful your mind is. And I know your listeners can relate to this. The day of the event, we physically got ill. Our minds knew something was about to change. See, your mind, it wants to keep you right where you are. It doesn't want you to change. So if it senses something's about to change, that's when it'll make you feel tired. You'll start feeling depressed. You'll get anger because it's going to keep you the same. That saying the devil you know is better than the devil you don't is so true to the mind. So we got physically ill. And again, the only reason we showed up is because of that $39 value on each ticket. We walk in the room, (coughs) feeling like crap. By the end of the three hours, we are high-fiving people. This is amazing. And we went and paid $600 again that we didn't have to pay for the three-day training. 
which that was March of 2001. The three-day training was June of 2001, three months later. Now, you know the saying, your environment's stronger than your willpower. Mm -hmm. We left that energy of that evening. And where did our minds go? Buyer's remorse. Why did we do this? Beating ourselves up. And the only reason we showed up at the event, because we got sicker the day of the event when it was supposed to start, the only reason we showed up was to get our money back. Really? We parked in the parking lot. My wife's in the truck. She wouldn't even come out of the truck. She's like, you go get our money back. And I went in ready for a fight. So I walk in and the girl, just my energy. She had the deer in the headlight look like, <gasps> and she's like, I can't help you. Let me get someone. And she called over the most amazing, nicest woman in the world. who. Shelly knew what was going on for us. She had dealt with this lots of people. So instead of fighting me, she said, look, there's nothing I can do right now. Why don't you come in until lunch? And at lunch, I'll come find you, I promise. And we'll talk about a refund. <sighs> okay. I go walking out to the truck and I'm like, honey, here's what's going on. We got to go until lunch. We'll talk about the refund then. We have no choice. My wife's like, fine. So we go in by the first break. Do you think we're feeling sick anymore? No. But true to her word, Shelly comes up. She's like, 700 people in the audience. She finds us. She goes, there you are. Let's talk about your refund. And we're like, get away from us. We don't want a refund. <laughs> we're now having too good of a time. in that time frame, man? That's, I mean, you're talking, what, three, four hours? Three hours. What we are now in the energy and in the training industry, because now that I travel around the world training, it's called context. And what trainers and speakers, a lot of them don't realize, your context, your container, and this is true in your daily life. The container and context you set for yourself is way more important than any content. No matter what your brain's saying to you, if you say to yourself, you know what, um, I've been sleeping in. And I know I, when I sleep in, I feel crappy and I beat myself up and it just sets me off for a crappy day. If you set the commitment in the context and say, you know what? Eight o'clock is the latest I get up. And when I get up, I instantly do this and this and this. And you set a context that will carry you further forward. So the trainer, he just had set such a tight context and he knew where everybody was at. And some people left because they couldn't handle the energy, which as I became a trainer, I learned that's okay. I've had rooms where... You know, the first time I trained in New York, we we're at the end of the Brooklyn Bridge. We are right in Brooklyn. Started off with 1,600 people. By the second day, 300 plus had left. And I was co-training with the um, creator of the, the course. And so I was the trainer for the whole first day. You didn't see him till lunch on the second day. So all of a sudden, 300 some people gone because he's not here. Who's this guy on the stage? I was still fairly new in training. I get on stage and I introduce him and everybody's like, yeah. And I'm walking off the stage and here were the first words out of his mouth. He said, you know why I love training with Robert? And the audience is like, why? He goes, because he gets rid of all the losers. Ooh. I stopped in my tracks. I turned around like, what did he just say? And the audience, especially that New York energy, they're like, what? And he just let it hang for a couple moments. Mm -hmm. And then he goes, let me want to explain what I mean by a loser. If you don't ever complete what you start, you're never going to win. And if you don't win, you what? 
you lose. So ladies and gentlemen, all of you that are still here, congratulations, because you've stayed committed. The 300 plus that left, we could put our energy to them and go, oh my God, they left. Or we can say, it's not right for them. We're here. And I'm going to give you 100% of what I have because you're still here. And he just turned it around. And I just took in a deep breath like, okay, got it. And and here's, <laughs> yeah, right. And now that I've trained, um, personally trained over half a million people all over the world, that context is so important. I could actually, and it may sound strange, but Mike, I could get in front of an audience for two hours and I could just go yada, yada, yada as my only vocabulary for two hours. But if I set the proper container, the context, and I'm expressive in the way I do my training, the audience will be floored and get a a lot out of what I teach them just by going yada, yada, yada. See, it's not the verbal and so much people. And this is why I tell people what your mind's saying to you that may cause you to doubt yourself, that may cause you to go, I'm not good enough, or, you know, this was crap. Quit believing it. Own who you are. My, my biggest belief, because I've proven it in my life, everything I do today, Mike, only comes from my, my experience. I can't teach you something I haven't done. One of my mentors said, he said, you know, think of business. The definition of business is solving problems for people at a profit. He said, so find problems and solve them. He says, but don't you dare try and solve a problem for someone and sell them it unless you've solved it for yourself first. Hi. Coach Mike here. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Living Fearless Today podcast. Man, if you're struggling with your worth, feeling you're not enough and playing small, honestly, this isn't your lot in life. There is more available to you beyond this podcast to help you uncover your worth, feel respected, be confident, and play bigger in all areas of your life. Grab a time at highcoachmike.com forward slash book a call to set up a complimentary session on where you're at today, who you want to be, and how you can live the life you've been desiring. Again, head on over to highcoachmike.com forward slash book a call and take that first step towards your life transformation. Yeah, and I I get... (laughs) Yeah, what what I love that you've shared there is it's like, if you look at, just take me, if I get up and I fall down on, you know, following through my routines or my habits... It's not a matter of whether I'm perfect or not, but you're talking about persistence. Like you're still coming back. Yes. I may stumble. I get back up. I may stumble. I get back up. And through that, it's going to improve like my, my success rate, right? The more that I set that pattern, the more successful I am with that pattern going forward. So it's not a matter of being perfect. It's a matter of being consistent and coming yes. back. And that's how you stop. You start being the winner and not sign up to be a loser. I love how you, how you talked about that in the, in the coaching aspect, because we can then take it. And you said getting up no later than eight o'clock and then doing X, Y, and Z. Um, is, is that like something that you've set in for yourself and those you're coaching is like a routine and you just set that habit? Yes and no. Because one of the things working in Domino's Pizza taught me, and you know, my wife, uh, one of the things I internalized, when my wife and I got married, two days after our wedding, she ended up in the hospital for three weeks. 
She had planned her whole wedding, every detail. And when she relaxed from it, she relaxed. All of a sudden, her type 1 diabetes triggered. And it took her out. And I never realized that in that moment, I had internalized my crap. I had internalized that her marrying me caused her sickness. And all of a sudden, from that moment, I subconsciously and unconsciously became her protector. One of the strongest women I've ever known. All of a sudden, I thought I had to do everything. And over the years, I started chipping away at her self-confidence, not even realizing what I was doing. Honey, you're not feeling well. You stay home today. I'll go take care of it. Honey, just stay in bed. It's all right. I'll go. Not realizing. And through personal development, we were at a training where all of a sudden I realized I had that awakening moment of what I was doing. And in that moment, I watched her come so full on back into her power. It just blew me away. And this is, this is what people don't realize. My favorite quote from um, the book, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind is every master was once a disaster. And if you fully understand that, that means you've got to be willing to go through the disaster stage. But what does the mind tell you? It goes, oh, you learned this. You better be perfect at it now. Oh, look, you just messed up there. Obviously, you're not good enough at it. Why are you even thinking? Have you ever had these thoughts and these conversations in your own head? I know I have on a daily basis. And that's why, you know, the book, Three Feet from Gold, probably the biggest thing I can recommend for people is keep going. Keep going. Because you don't know. Is that People say to me, Robert, how can I do what you do? I say, if you want to do what I do, be willing to do what I do. The unsexy, monotonous, behind-the-scenes work that nobody likes doing so that when I'm on stage, people go, how are you so amazing? Because I put the work in. What I learned in my Domino's Pizza days is when my wife got her diabetes, they were so strict of, you have to have breakfast between 7 and 9, your lunch is 12 to 1, your dinner is 5 to 6. And we're like, but you don't understand. We don't open our store till 4. We work till 1, 2, 3 in the morning. We're not going to get up at 7 a.m. to have breakfast. No, you must do this or you're not going to be able to live. And today, you know, the whole industry, the whole thought around it is, you know what? If you're a night worker and your morning is 11 o'clock, then that's your start of your day. So when I'm coaching people, I'm not about you must be up at 5 a.m. This is the secret. Here's the secret, Mike. There's no freaking secret. There's no secret pill. There's no secret answer. It's put the work in. Work on you. Work on who you are. Because again, the greatest gift you can give someone in this world is to be you. And when you're you, one of two things is going to happen. Either people are going to like you, which is great, or they're not going to like you, which is just as great. So I'm a procrastinator. You know, the Olympics are on right now as you and I are recording this. If it was the Olympic sport, I would be a gold medalist for sure on procrastination. And I used to beat myself up over that. But the moment I went, you know what? Okay, I acknowledge that's part of who I am. So how can I work with it instead of thinking I have to beat it down and get rid of it? Because that's where the struggle came. Because every time I thought I'd have it mastered, ooh, it would rear its ugly head again. And then I'd beat myself up over it. And so what I realized is knowing I'm a procrastinator, for me, my best work, the, if I, you know, I haven't had to work for money for years. So it's easy to get into that comfort of not getting up at a certain hour. And so knowing that I'm a procrastinator on purpose, I actually schedule 
my meetings and interviews and stuff and my coaching calls for first thing in the morning, as early as six, 6.30 in the morning. Because the moment I'm up and the moment I've made a commitment to someone else and it's on my calendar, end of story. No resistance whatsoever. And the moment I'm up, I'm good. Now I give myself permission that if I start at six o'clock in the morning and I have an hour and a half break in the afternoon, I'll have a nap. I'll relax because I'm not going to sit there and drive myself 6 a.m. to midnight. I've done that. Don't need to do it anymore. So I've learned to work with who I am. And so that's why I specifically design my calendar the way I do. It's so that it works with me instead of trying to think I have to be someone different than I am. Does that make sense? Definitely. It definitely does. You talked about um, like learned disabilities, right? How like you were kind of training your wife to to see herself and and limit herself in that way. Yeah. If I'm working to discover those things that I've learned, that, you know, like my disabilities, right? Where I see that I'm capped out. How do you how do you discover those? Like, what's the best way to say? Oh, hey, this is something that's not true, but I've believed it's true. And then, you know, finding the truth. How do you discover that? What's the best way to get there? Quit trying to do it on your own. Number one. Okay. What did Einstein say? You can't solve a problem with the same mind that created it. So what you do is this is where coaches and mentors are critical, critical, because they see what you don't see. And then you have to have the willingness to be vulnerable enough. People think vulnerability is weakness. In my opinion, vulnerability is a strength because if I'm not willing to get out of my own way and say, hey, what do you see? And it's not criticism. You set up the guidelines of, you know, if you're my coach or you're my mentor, I'm tough. When I'm a mentor, I'm tough on my mentees because I, I tell them in the beginning, I say, look, until you have enough belief in yourself, let me be your greatest cheering squad. I wouldn't have taken you on as a mentoring student if I didn't think you had greatness in you. So while you're going through that lack of self-esteem, let me be your cheering squad. And then as you build it up with confidence, not arrogance, big distinction there, then you see the shift happen. So find people, and this is why it's critical to surround yourself with not like-minded people, Mike. And, and look, I, I'm, I'm an old dog that still learns new tricks. One of my mentors just a year and a half ago taught me this, changed my whole paradigm. I'd stand on stage in front of a thousand or more people and go, aren't you happy to be in a room of like-minded people? And they'd be like, yeah, because I thought that was a great thing. And my mentor said, well, Robert, if you're uh, surrounded by complainers, then you're going to be a complainer because you're all of like mind. I said, how's that going to serve you? And I went, cool. Ouch. I said, okay. I said, what do I do? <laughs> he says, surround yourself with growth-minded people. He says, because a growth-minded person Yes, they're going to be there to pick you up when you stumble. They're going to be your greatest cheerleader when you're doing well. But the most important role they're going to play is they're the ones that are willing, willing to have the tough conversations with you when need be. This is one of the greatest gifts I believe my wife gives me. Because Mike, left to my own devices, I wouldn't be here today talking to you. I'd be in a job, miserable as could be, but comfortable because I didn't want to try anything else. And my wife's not willing to let me play smaller than I am, even if it means kicking me in the butt and saying, step it up, step up your game. And it's now a gift I give her as well. So quit trying to do it on your own. Surround yourself with growth-minded people so that you can play a bigger game. That would be my recommendation. That's awesome. 
Yeah, it's definitely who we're surrounding ourselves with and how they show up because it's like, yeah. like you talked about, you know, you can either be around growth minded people that are looking for the way to improve themselves and then putting yourself in a position of, of being open and honest and subjective, you know, subjected to, you know, their insight. Um, because it's like, you know, I, I was Eeyore, you know, I was that victim and, uh, mm. you can, Ooh, <laughs> dude, I, I mean, Eeyore. I was, I Love was Eeyore. leading the pack, you know, and it's like, you surround yourself with people that are going to back up what you believe. And, uh, you know, if you want to grow, like, like you're talking about, you went from where you were really frustrated and, and just like not happy with the franchises that, you know, you bought and developed and grew, you know, if you want to get from that to where you are now, like satisfied and vibrant and loving life and in control of it, it's like, you've got to find other people. Mike, I got to tell you though, there's no such thing as control. That's probably the biggest cosmic joke (laughs) out there. All right. Explain that one. Well, because if you think you have control, that's you putting a paradigm on the fact that I can control what's going on and you can't. The universe, God, whatever you believe in is going to come smack you upside the head and teach you that you don't have control. What you do have is you can um, control how you react to the circumstances in your life. And you can either go to victim or you can go to, you know what, what's my lesson? How do I get through it? But you're not going to control it. And that's why um, investing and working on yourself is so, so important. Uh, Every time I quit, you know, I go, I know enough. My life goes downhill very, very quickly. So I will never, ever quit learning. Even, you know, even though I'm on stages around the world, I still heavily invest in mentors, in coaches. I'm part of programs. I love sitting in the audience with someone else teaching and people are like, Robert, you're already around the world. Why are you sitting here? Because I want to learn. Leave me alone. I'm listening. <laughs> you know, quit disturbing me. Because <laughs> that's, I think, one of the biggest keys is, is people, especially like when the world changed, how many people retract and went, oh, I can't afford to keep growing myself. And I'll tell you, how you go through COVID is how you're going to be after COVID. So if you went into a lack mindset during this, you're going to come out with a lack mindset and you're going to struggle. But if you go and you say, you know, um, but Robert, I may not be able to afford to pay for a course or a coach or a training. There's more than one way to achieve it. When my wife and I first retired, because we knew we were procrastinators, we volunteered at our own expense for two and a half years, 38 events a year. And people go, why would you do that? I said, are you kidding? I'm in this energy almost all year round. How can I not grow? How can I not be successful? And being of service, oh my goodness. And I'm learning from my mentor at the same time. So, and it kind of got put in perspective when I was volunteering at an event and another volunteer I'd worked with a few times, he says, you know, you and Roxanne always show up and you're doing amazing. He says, I hope you're getting paid a lot to do this. And I looked at him and said, no, nope, not making a dime. He's like, pardon me? Tell me they're at least covering your costs. I said, nope. And the guy went off the handle. How dare he? The value you bring, this and this and this. You should be. And I, I let him vent, Mike. I let him vent. And when he calmed down, I said, I simply have a question. He goes, what? I said, uh, did you go to university? Well, yeah. I said, um, how long did it take? Oh, three years. I said, roughly how much did it cost you? Oh, about $70,000 in total. I said, oh, I get it. Now I know why you're upset. 
You went to university and paid $70,000 to get your education that you're not using. It cost me two and a half years and a few thousand dollars in travel expenses for an education that's taken me to a whole new level. I understand why you're upset. And I watched the light bulb go off in his head. And he's like, I never thought of it that way. See, the education system thinks it's about the letters behind our names. That's what get conditioned. When I started traveling to other countries where it was PhD, MBA, all this, and you were looked down on if you didn't have the letters. Now, picture, you stand in front of, like, first time I went to India. They're all about their education. And they were like, why? You know, people would ask me, you know, what's your credentials? Huh? high school. And they'd be like, pardon me? I said, well, how are you successful? That's not right. And I finally had to go into a little bit of ego. And I stood on the stage and I used a line that a friend had taught me. I said, ladies and gentlemen, I understand. I, I get that you're struggling with the fact that I don't have all these letters. And I do. So let me be clear. I do have a PhD now. I do have an MBA now. I said, just my letters don't stand for what your letters stand for. My PhD is I'm in pretty high demand. My MBA is I have a massive bank account. What do your letters give you? And I watched the audience just go, oh. (laughs) And to me, in that moment, I had to call it as it is. Otherwise, they weren't going to respect what I was telling them, and they wouldn't have changed their lives. But the moment we made that adjustment, all of a sudden, now they listened, and they went, Maybe he knows what he's talking about because I was coming from my own life experience. I wasn't given the chance to go to university. We could never have afforded that. I learned through the life's hard knocks. Yeah. It's a different perspective that, you know, you just get acclimated to and Mm -hmm. you don't expect somebody to come out of like left field or a different direction, but it's often somebody that's coming from another tribe that brings the wisdom that we're lacking because they've come from a different path. Yeah. Um, what would you say, Robert, that are like some, some pivotal books or habits or, or actions that you've done that got you from, you know, being frustrated and first, you know, taking that $39 ticket, not wanting to waste it because of its value from that point to where you're at now? Well, you know, my uh, first book that I is an international bestselling book. My original title for it was going to be Three, Two, One Rich. And the reason I was going to call it that is because it's a formula. If you have three coaches in your life, so whether health coach, business coach, relationship coach, whatever it is, three coaches in your life, have two mentors in your life. And, and people go, well, Robert, what's the difference between a coach and a mentor? And in my perspective, and again, I want everybody to understand this just from my perspective, the way I look at it doesn't make it right or wrong. It's just my perspective. But to me, a coach is there to guide you, ask the questions, pull out of you, hold you accountable. What it is that you want to accomplish. A mentor is someone who's accomplished already where you want to go. And they're not there to coddle you in that. They're just there to say, hey, if you want to get where I'm at, do this, do this, do this, do this. When you've done it, come back and see me. And so I mentor trainers because I've trained thousands around the world. When someone pays my fees to mentor with me for a year, their one rule is when I give you a task, you don't call me again until you've done it. And so some people I don't hear from for three months because I have to let them go through their crap. I don't have the time to be the coach and say, hey, have you done it? What's going on? Are you okay? I'm in that mentor role. Does that make sense? Yes. So have three coaches, have two mentors, and be part of at least one mastermind or accountability group. 
And, you know, because when I was just on a call with one of my business partners, we're designing a five-day camp for someone that paid us large numbers to design this camp. And my wife had asked me a couple of days ago, she says, uh, you could have designed this on your own. I said, yeah. She goes, so what made you think to reach out to Aaron? I said, are you kidding me? When we get masterminding, the ideas that bounce back and forth, it takes it to a whole new level. And that today we had an hour, one of our creation calls, because we're, you know, August, we're going to teach this camp for the first time. And also the, what was coming, the brilliance from that mastermind, Napoleon Hill, as he said, you know, in school, one plus one equals two. But when you're in a mastermind, one plus one equals 11 because your knowledge goes to a whole new level. So my, what I would tell people is use that formula, three, two, one, and you will be rich in all areas of your life. Not just money. Realize you're holistic, mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, and financial. You follow that formula, watch what happens. Very cool. Yeah. And it's seeing, like, I think some of the best feedback I've gotten is other men seeing how I was treating my wife and children, but I had to be open to receiving what they had to say, even if I didn't like it, which Mm -hmm. often I didn't, but you know, if I'm in the wrong place, I need to know it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's all those areas you've talked about. Absolutely love that. So Robert, how can how can people get in touch with you outside of this podcast? Uh, you know, I'll tell you this, Mike, you have been so gracious to ask me to be on your podcast. And to me, one of the most precious commodities we all have is our time. And the fact alone that you've taken your time to interview me, another aerodynamic dude, that means a lot. And the fact that your audience has taken time to listen means even more to me. So I love to make it easy for people and actually give them a gift from you and I. If they just go to robertrealpel.com, just my name, R-O-B-E-R-T-R-I-O-P-E-L.com, they're actually going to be able to download the entire digital copy of my international bestselling book, Success Left a Clue, which is six life-changing habits. And I made the book really simple because I could have made it a thousand pages, giving you all the data, all the science, all the quantum physics behind why the steps work. But I knew people get 10 pages in and they quit reading, especially if they're in a tough place. So I kept it very, very simple. And I'm going to tell your audience, do not, do not let the simplicity fool you. You, you take this book and I didn't read or write the book for people to put it on the shelf and make it shelf help. That's not why I wrote it. Step number three in the book is take action. So I actually wrote it as a manual and there's action steps all the way through it. And I'll even say in the book, because it's my quirkiness, I even say, hey, did you do the last action? If not, stop reading right now. Go back, do that action before you continue reading. Because I know people are creatures of habit. And I'm going to make a promise to your audience. If they download the book, they read it and they do the action steps, no matter what level they're at, they will go to a higher level. They'll find a way to come out of that trudging that they may be feeling stuck in because you know I've kept it very, very simple that way. And what I've also added in is that when they download the book, they're going to have the opportunity to actually, I love this year, especially because I'm home now, I'm not traveling all around the world. I've decided to you know, do strategy calls for people. And so they'll be simply able to book a 20-minute complimentary, no selling, one-on-one strategy call with me. They'll have to fill out some paperwork so I can make sure that 20 minutes, I can give them actionable steps on no matter where they're at, how they can go to another level. And I'd love to do that for your audience. I thank you, man. That's super generous. Absolutely love it. So thank you for blessing us in that way. 
Thank you, Robert. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you, my friend, for joining me and sharing so openly and being such an encourager of both where you've come from and where we can get to. And that, hey, it's not about us doing this alone. So thank you, my friend, Robert. I appreciate it. Anytime you ever want me back, I'm here. Thanks so much, my friend, for joining me on another episode. If you found the information within the show helpful, please leave a review on the platform you're listening to. It helps raise the show's visibility so other men can join us in breaking free. See you on the next episode. And remember to continue putting yourself out there. Have a great one.